All you CAD designers out there, we've got something for you. It's a short one-hour course called Resilient CAD Modeling, or RCM, and teaches you a defined set of rules and best practices for creating robust CAD models that don't break. Spend more time designing your product instead of fixing a broken feature tree. Learn more by going to learnrcm.com. That's learnrcm.com. Hi, everyone. We've set up this Being an Engineer podcast as an industry knowledge repository, if you will. We hope it'll be a tool where engineers can learn about and connect with other companies, technologies, people, resources, and opportunities. So make some connections and enjoy the show. It really comes down to distilling core messages in simple terms. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Being an Engineer podcast. Today, we have another very special guest, Chris Lukey. And I want to read to you the section on his LinkedIn is about me because it really caught my attention. So listen closely. He, he wrote, this section used to have a lot of buzzwords like progressive, results-oriented, and sales professional, dot, dot, dot. It contained a lot of words that really didn't say much. Now, the message is simple. I help industrial companies turn marketing expenses into marketing investments. So Chris Lukey is a podcaster, marketer, and self-proclaimed media maverick in the manufacturing industry. As the host of the podcast Manufacturing Happy Hour, Chris interviews leaders in the industrial sector to simplify and explore the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Chris, welcome to the show. Good to be here, Raf. Thanks for having me. Very excited to have you. Uh, your LinkedIn was very attention-grabbing. And I wanted to ask you, why, why should people come to you with their questions about marketing? Tell us about how you acquired all this knowledge in your career. Sure. Well, you know, I, I've been in sales and on the commercial side of things for most of my career, right? So a lot of things I've learned, I've learned through my experience. But in addition to that, in, in, like I'm not just your typical salesperson, or I should say that I haven't necessarily followed the same trajectory as a lot of salespeople do. Uh, I started Manufacturing Happy Hour as a podcast and a video series really back at the very end of 2016 as a way to reach a younger audience in the manufacturing world. I had moved from Houston, Texas to San Francisco, California, where there was a much younger demographic of decision makers and the way I would put myself in the millennial category, right? The way my generation makes decisions, we do it through online research, videos, podcasts, etc. So I just started leveraging some of these, what I call modern marketing tools like video, podcasts, things that ultimately everyone already has the tools to do to start creating content to reach my audience. So in addition to leveraging the modern tools, I also take a style that I really feel simplifies a lot of complex topics. In the manufacturing industry, in engineering in general, we like to use a lot of big words to describe things, right? And there's some complexity to what we do. There's no doubt about that. But the reality is what I look for is the things that ultimately simplify a message, right? Describe it to me as if we were having a drink with one another at a bar. That's the whole concept behind manufacturing happy hour. So it really comes down to distilling core messages in simple terms. 
It reminds me of a video from Steve Jobs when he talks about Apple marketing. He says something on the lines of like, people don't have a lot of time and they're not going to remember a lot of things about you. So you got to make it simple, right? Absolutely. Okay. So I think that may lead us to our next question, which is, what's the most common branding mistake you see being made by engineers today? You know, there there are a couple. Some of the ones that stick out are along the lines of what I was just mentioning about having a lot of the equipment you need to create content today. I think a lot of people, whether it's individuals, whether it's companies, they think they need to have a very polished product when it comes to the content they put on LinkedIn or social media. And the reality is you can do a lot of that stuff with the phone that you have today, right? I started filming my first nine months of content just on an iPhone. Uh, And the reality is beyond that, you know, just getting over the excuse of, hey, I need to have the right equipment. I think another mistake people make is, you know, they, they, they often forget some of the fundamentals, right? It's fine, you know, go to your audience where they are. And that's why I spend a lot of my time as a manufacturing person on LinkedIn, right? That's where my audience is hanging out. I think a lot of people look at marketing as, oh, I need to be on TikTok and Instagram and insert platform of the week here, right? And Uh the reality is you probably need to be on it, you know, a couple of those, right? Your audience is probably hanging out in more than just one spot. But you don't necessarily need to be everywhere just for the sake of being everywhere. Really think about, hey, where is my audience hanging out? Whether that's LinkedIn, whether that's at in-person events, this doesn't just have to be a virtual thing. It can be in-person as well. Think about those spots and prioritize making sure you're there so you can speak with your ideal customer, your ideal audience in those spots. Yeah, I I totally understand. Meet them where they are. Let's see. So... I'm looking at your education. You got a bachelor's in mechanical engineering, yet you took this route of marketing. What attracted you to marketing and content creation? Yeah, I think it was just being on the front line of a company and realizing that engineering didn't necessarily have to be sitting behind a desk and designing something, right? It's funny. I'm actually going to be giving a talk on this later this week to uh, a large group of high school students talking about how engineering is a great path where it can lead you to a great career in engineering, could lead you to law school, it could lead you to medical school, or it could lead you to a number of other different paths, whether that's in business or podcasting like I've done. Engineering ultimately teaches you how to solve problems, right? And to navigate complex situations and break it down into an easily solvable situation or a more easily solvable situation, right? So to go back to it, one, engineering definitely prepared me for a number of the the challenges I face in business on a regular basis, right? But the reality is the reason I went that path, you know, it was just a good way where I could kind of be my extroverted self. I'm not your typical... I guess what people think when they think of a stereotypical engineer, right? Maybe a little more introverted, maybe wanting to be behind the desk. The reality is engineers come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. And this was just a path that that bode well with me in addition to being an engineer. I've played in bands before. I enjoy being up on stage. So this whole marketing element, I always view there's like a little bit of a performance element to it as well. So those are just a handful of the things that attracted me to going this route. Perfect. What's an example of engineering uh, mindset that helped you tackle a business problem? 
Yeah, so I'd say what I was mentioning before, breaking down a big challenge or a big situation into smaller problems. I was just thinking about this earlier in terms of, hey, when you took your high school physics class or your college physics class, right? The first thing you did was you drew a force diagram. You kind of looked at the situation, right? And then you figured out what was the mass or the acceleration or the force, right? You used what you had to, to really get to where you needed to be, right? And it's the same type of thing in business, right? Let's say I need to increase sales by 10% this year in a particular product category, right? Well, you know, hey, that seems like a big number, right? But the first thing I'm going to do is say, all right, what is this product? Who does it solve a problem for? And where is that ideal target customer hanging out, right? And you start going there, you figure out what the message is for that person, and you start what I would say, creating habits to go after that individual, right? Things that you can do on a repeatable basis, right? But it's not this, oh my gosh, I need to hit this 10% growth number. How am I going to do that? I guess I'm just going to start calling everyone because that's the problem. No, you take that goal, you take that challenge, you take that opportunity, whatever you want to call it, and you break it down piece by piece. So you have a path to get there. Understood. Okay. I wonder... Yeah, what's the thing that drew you about marketing? Uh, people call it, what, what's your thought? This is questions out there, but when people say, I went over to the dark side to like do marketing or sales, uh, what, what goes through your mind when people call it that? I mean, I feel like people use the dark side comment for a lot of job transitions, right? When you go from one thing and you kind of flip it to the next, right? Like if you're an engineer and you go into sales or if you're in sales, you go into marketing or, you know, if you went from being at a business to being a consultant, right? I think there's an element of uh, the term being a little cliche, but, you know, at the end of the day, I don't even think about the dark side or the light side or whatever it is. I just think of what I like doing, what I enjoy doing and that drives me every day. If someone thinks it's the dark side relative to sales or relative to finance or relative to engineering, I mean, that's that's their prerogative, right? But what I, what I encourage people to do is play to their strengths. And there's an element of self-awareness that comes to that, right? You need to know, hey, this is what I love doing. This is what I want to do in the future. And then you kind of align the things that uh, you you want into the type of job you go after. And for me, marketing's great because I love sharing people's stories. I love leveraging stories to influence people to take a certain action. So marketing's always been, for me, it's been the light side. Do you ever miss the engineering side a little bit, designing on the computer or no? There are elements of it, right? Like I think uh, I, as, as, uh, as an engineer, you always take elements of that in your life, right? You do home projects, you like building things, whether it's a a rig for your car where you can set out a sleeping bag or whether it's, um, I don't know, insert home improvement project here, right? There's an element of that that I do miss, uh, the design aspect, but here's the reality. Like, I have a long career ahead of me, right? Like, I'm 35 right now, and I think we get into this mindset that what we're doing today needs to be what we do for the rest of our lives, and we need to go on this path that continues on this upward trajectory. You know, if I really miss the design part of it at some point, I can make a lateral move or I can take a step back and that's okay, right? Like I've still been involved in it. The nice thing about being in technical sales is you never completely leave the technical aspects behind. Am I rustier than someone that's been an engineer for 10 years? Sure, but long story short, are there parts that I miss about it? 
uh, yeah. Is it something I'd go back to right away? It's probably not at the front of my list, but I do know that the options there, uh, as, as long as I'm comfortable in myself to maybe take some career moves that aren't that next step up, it might be more of a lateral move or maybe even a step back. Everything that you're saying it really relates to me because I like both. I like mechanical design engineering, but also I like marketing. I like talking with people, intelligent people, sharing ideas. Mm-hmm. I can relate to what you're saying. So real quick, I thought that this would be a good time to take a break and share with the listeners that teampipeline.us is where you can learn more about how we can help medical device and other product engineering or manufacturing teams develop turnkey equipment, custom fixtures, and automated machines to characterize, inspect, assemble, manufacture, and perform verification testing on your devices. So we're here with Chris Lukey, and I wanted to ask you, what tips do you have for people that want to start leveraging digital content to communicate what their companies are doing from an engineering slash manufacturing standpoint? That's a great question. And the first thing I would say is get into a manageable habit of sharing content on a regular basis, right? I think when when people often think of this, they're like, oh my gosh, I need to start a podcast. I need to start a video series. And it's like, no, 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 no. Let's start with something simple, right? Maybe st- it's as easy as sharing one article a week on LinkedIn and saying, hey, I read this article. I thought this about our industry. What do you think, right? And create that habit of sharing once a week. You know, that's a pretty easy one, right? But maybe it's, hey, I'm going to share one video that I record on my iPhone each week talking about a topic. It's going to be less than two minutes. It'll have a clear call to action. Maybe it's posting one video like that on a weekly basis. But I would say pick a medium that you're comfortable with, whether that's writing, whether that's podcasting, whether that's video, and then pick a frequency that you can maintain and honestly make it as simple as possible, right? Don't worry about getting all the right equipment. If you have a good message to share in a short video, for example, People will watch and they'll resonate with that. And the reality is once you start doing that and you get in that habit and maybe you were just posting once a week and now you're posting twice, three times, five times, then you can start ramping up and maybe getting better equipment at that point or refining your message or tightening things up. But the reality is it's, hey, just get started at a pace that you feel comfortable maintaining. Since we're talking about LinkedIn and social media, why don't you tell us about maybe one of the posts that you've had that had quite a bit of success, maybe not one viral, but a lot of people engaged with it. And what was the post about? Yeah. And and I'll preface this with for every post I have, that's like really successful over a hundred reactions and things like that. I probably have three to four posts that don't do much to be honest, right? They still get reactions and things like that, but it's nothing that you could consider viral or mildly viral. I mean, the things that I do are one, I keep them short, right? There was one I shared last week. I was at a conference and I filmed 34 seconds of the talk. I just filmed 34 seconds of it. Uh, and this individual was talking about, you know, why robots are not taking jobs in the automation space, right? The reality is there are more jobs than we can fill right now. So until, until those are all full, we do not have to worry about automation taking anyone's job. But anyway, he had a really good 34 second snippet and shout out to Eric Nieves of, of Plus Run One Robotics. Um, I've featured him on my podcast before. He's the individual whose, uh, knowledge I distilled into that 34 second video. I threw some captions on it because I knew that would catch someone's eye as they're scrolling through LinkedIn, right? So I added the captions so that way someone was hooked in. 
Uh, there are a handful of tools out there, but uh, for the sake of being specific, I use Zubtitle. So it's uh, Z as in zebra, Zubtitle. So it's like subtitle, but they start it with a Z. I really like it because I can do it on my desktop or my phone. And when I'm at a conference, I can just, you know, do that for a few minutes and get the post out there. And I can guarantee when you share a video, captions are going to perform much better because a lot of people are going to be watching that on silent. That's a golden nugget for all of our listeners. There you go. Immediate value. I remember when I went to a conference about two weeks ago, it's called the MDNM conference in California. Have you heard of it? I was actually there. I've got a podcast coming out on that in the near future. <laughs> it's... Ah, no way. Okay, we got to meet at the next one that we go. Yes. But um, there, there's a whole automation section. Uh, it's a massive event. You mm-hmm. can, there are booths up to the horizon. There are thousands of booths. And there's sections. And one of the sections is like the robotic automating section where there's these robotic arms automating in the manufacturing lines. And I went up to the, the people in the booth and I said, in a joking manner, I'm like, they're taking our jobs. <laughs> the robots are taking our job. I was just messing with them. So what you share with the speaker is uh, exactly contradicting that. And I can understand what the explanation is. There's going to be more jobs and the people are programming, right? What other places are do you expect to see growth in jobs? Other places I expect to see growth in jobs. So that's an example of, you know, robots and warehouses and manufacturing. I was actually at a conference uh, this past week in Pittsburgh and automation is starting to enter the construction industry and the agriculture space as well. So really a lot of these older industries that maybe have not been as high tech in the past. I mean, just think about it. Manufacturing, warehousing, obviously automation's there. We've seen it there for a long time. We're going to see more of it. And now we're starting to see agriculture and construction being a couple spots that are coming into play. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't you tell us what's your sweet spot client? Whoever's listening to this, who are you? Who do you usually help? Yeah. So right now I work with a lot of, let's say mid-sized clients, uh, that are really looking to break into a new market in the manufacturing space, right? So let's say you're a manufacturing company that's just now getting your foot in the door in North America, or maybe you're an outsourced HR company that's looking to take on more manufacturing clients. Those are people that I've been working with a lot recently because as a podcast host, those are the type of people that can benefit the most from getting in front of an audience of over a thousand manufacturing leaders every week because those are the people that are ultimately working in the manufacturing industry that are looking for some of those solutions that might be, let's say it's not like you're listening to someone from PPG that's talking about their experience working at PPG. You're listening to someone talking about, hey, we've got this tool that helps out manufacturers. So those are a lot of the people I've been working with, the people that are trying to break into manufacturing or trying to break into, say, the North American market for the first time. Those are a lot of people that I've been helping with refining their story and telling it to a manufacturing audience lately. You mentioned that you've gone to all these conferences. It must not be cheap booking all these flights, staying in all these hotels. So I'm, I'm happy that you're doing well for yourself, that you branched off and you found the niche. Yeah, it's it's fun, right? I think conferences are starting to realize that, hey, the conference itself, you know, for companies that exhibit there and pay a lot of money to exhibit, it's good for some lead generation. It's good for exposure. But I think people are starting to realize that, hey, if I'm going to this conference, I should create a ton of content while I'm there, right? So I'll work with folks that go to trade shows. I'll work with the trade shows themselves as well to help them 
maximize the way they create content. So in addition to people trying to break into the manufacturing market or trying to break into the North American market, I also help trade shows as well maximize the impact of their shows for their attendees or maximizing the impact for the attendees that are there. Fantastic. Well, coming here to the end of the interview, I was going to ask you, is there anything that I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? No, I think you've done a good job. You've prepared well. I would just say for the manufacturing folks out there, for the engineers out there that are thinking of creating content, since that's been a big theme for this conversation, I mean, just recognize that you have the tools to do it starting today, right? Like just record that first video on your iPhone, just record that first podcast, maybe using your computer audio. It's more important to start and get momentum than continuing to think about starting. Fantastic. Well, Chris, thank you for being on the podcast. Raf, thanks so much for having me. I'm Aaron Moncur, founder of Pipeline Design and Engineering. If you liked what you heard today, please share the episode. To learn how your team can leverage our team's expertise developing turnkey equipment, custom fixtures, and automated machines, and with product design, visit us at teampipeline.us. Thanks for listening.